We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrated videos, prayer, and weekly message.
thank you today for your goodness, for your mercy. Thank you for your love, for loving us when we were quite unlovable people. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank Let's take a look at our scripture that we will be teaching and preaching from. It's out of Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald, in appearance. Around the throne were thirty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Thus says the Word of God. Amen.
Father God, we come before you today and pray and believe and appropriate the scriptures that you have given us out of Revelation chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. Father, we learn in this passage how important it is to see the world through your eyes. And Father, we acknowledge that we are wrong when we view the world through our own minds. It only breeds confusion and distrust, which results in more problems. Father, we thank you for how you revealed yourself to your beloved John. The Spirit has spoken clearly to him. You gave him the privilege to see you sitting on your throne. You also gave him the privilege of seeing the 24 elders, as well as many, many other things that are in heaven. I cannot even imagine, Lord, how John viewed life, viewed the world, after he was released from the island of Patmos. To have a clear view of the world is having a view of the world through your eyes, Jesus. We acknowledge that and we accept that. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. You are the Almighty, who is, who was, and who will always be. You are mighty. You are strong. Your identity is the identity of Jesus, your Son. The identity of Jesus is the identity of the Bride of Christ, us, Lord. We thank you that we're going to live forever and ever. We thank you that you're going to rapture us out of this horrid world, taken up in a twinkling of an eye when people do not even expect it. That leads me to a burden for the lost people in the world today, Lord. I pray that this prayer, I pray that our teachings and teachings from your leaders all over the world will be used and presented with the clear gospel of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, we know you are worthy. Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives. God, you are the Lord, the ruler over all things. And it is you that needs to receive the glory and the honor and the power because you created all things. And because of your will, we are able to yield our will to you. And we thank you for this. In the power and authority of Jesus' holy name, amen. We thank each of you for joining us today. We are in the middle of a study from the book of Revelation. This series is what we are calling Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. 
This is a book that is very difficult for many people to understand, at least they think so. But in reality, through the power of the Holy Spirit revealing these truths in the true Indoah believer's mind, we can understand every word written and every word spoken by Jesus Christ. So we welcome you, and we encourage you to take lots of notes. There should be a PDF available in the description section of this video. Let's take a look at our topic for today. It's looking into heaven. To continue on with our scriptures, we're going to be reading now at Revelation chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. And it says this, Out from the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds of pearls of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne were living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature was like a calf. The third creature had a face like that of man. And the fourth creature was like a, a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Let's take a look at that open door gave John the privilege of looking into heaven. Keeping in mind at this point in time, John was faced to the seven churches. And after the messages were written, John was commanded to turn around, to come up into the Spirit, so that he was able to see what the Lord wanted him to see so he could write it down. Chapter 1 gave us the vision of the glorified Lord. Chapter 2 and 3 consisted of letters to the churches. And now the third phase opens with chapter 4 and ends with chapter 22, verse 5. This portion reveals the prophecies, introductions in chapters 4 and 5 with chapter 6, showing us the prophetic actions. The door standing open, scenes from heaven, introduces the first series of judgments that concludes in chapter 6. The Word of God consistently reveals a war that has been going on between good and evil 
righteousness and unrighteousness, and light and darkness. This battle between God and Satan, the Holy Spirit and evil spirits, has been raged against the bride of Christ, the Church, since the fall of Adam and Eve. This war will continue until the last and final word that will be revealed to us as being fulfilled in Revelation 22, verse 5. An important note, once Christ comes for the bride, his bride, which is what we refer to as rapture, the Holy Spirit will no longer have any purpose for restraining the evil forces of Satan. This earth, as we know it, will become a literal hell. The earth's structure will be fully committed to Satan, the beast, and the Antichrist. Satan will then rule in and through the person of the beast, political, and the Antichrist, universal religious leader. Remember that the bride of Christ is raptured as it reveals that to us in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4. Rapture versus rupture, pre-tribulation. John is not specific in talking about the rapture, but Paul certainly does in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, whom God reveals the specifics in full color during and immediate after the rapture. He makes it quite clear that we will be caught up to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, our groom, in the air. And so shall we ever be with him throughout eternity. There will be no tribulation storm for the bride. Let's consider these five points. Some of you have been taught that the Bride of Christ will go through the first half of the tribulation period. I used to be one of them. Please consider these five reasons why the church will not go through such a storm. Number one, contained within the first three chapters of Revelation, the word church or churches occurs about 20 times. However, starting with this chapter, up through the 17th verse of chapter 22, the church is not mentioned, not even once. Number two, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, it states the key that unlocks the book. John was told to write, quote-unquote, the things which you have seen and the things which are, and finally the things which shall be. None of these things occur at the same time, obvious. After Christ addressed each of the seven churches, he spits Laodicea out of his mouth, and then chapter 4 starts with, The door of heaven is open. Even according to John's vision, this is a new phase of his vision unfolding. Number three, the Lord Jesus is no longer in the middle of the candlesticks the churches. Jesus is no longer on the earth anymore, but we see him on his throne in heaven. 
There is a rainbow sealing the throne, and most significantly, we see the saints, the first of many bridal members in heaven. Also, a significant factor is that these saints come with the Lord out of heaven, as we're going to discover in chapter 19, riding on a white horse in judgment against the earth. This is not interpretive. It is chronological in nature. Number four, remember Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, the church will not enter or go through any part of the Great Tribulation. Remember it says this, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. This message was given to the church of Philadelphia, the true church. Christ isn't about to have his bride abused by the horrid period of tribulation or judgment. They will not receive any condemnation. This tribulation period, seven years for Satan to reign on earth, will be like no other distress and persecution seen on the earth before. Our groom is protective, proactive, and redeeming. There's no logical or godological reason why he would drag his bride through such a horrid tribulation. Remembering it is in Hebrew law and custom that a woman cannot watch the display of wrath from her father or her husband. If you remember back in the days when Lot was instructed to instruct his wife not to have her turn around and see the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. She did and turned into a pillar of salt. Since God gave Paul the message of, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. It is clear that the bride is not destined for wrath. Let's do a little verse by verse. First of all, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This shows us that John is to come up here. And God opens the door of heaven and invites John to come into the throne area and arena of God. Now that we've established this, John was immediately in the spirit and then stepped into heaven and began to see things in the light and the sight of God, past, present, and future events, all at one time. Keep in mind here that John did not have his glorious body yet. Since no man can embrace the beauty and majesty of our glorified Lord in an unredeemed state in our mortal bodies, John had to be put into the spirit to see these things. It's beyond a vision. It's an experience. God never breaks his guidelines or rules, not even for his son's beloved disciple John. John gets to view, in first hand by the way, the central command center of God in his structure of government, the throne, 24 thrones, the elders, all in white garments, 
wearing golden crowns. Can you imagine what was going through John's mind at this point in time? Seeing the one, God, Jesus, sitting on a throne clothed in jasper, sardius, stones, symbolizing the glory and the majesty of God. These same two stones are mentioned to describe Satan's original design in Ezekiel 28, verse 13. And then again in Revelation 21, verses 19 through 20, to describe the new Jerusalem. The jasper stone reveals the purity and the transparency of God. And the sardius deep red color symbolizes the power and purity of the blood of atonement for the bridal members of his son. Jasper is also the stone that was used to describe Benjamin in the Old Testament. It was used to state total victory. The Jasper stone was Benjamin's name, which is a combination of two Hebrew words, Ben and Jemen. Scholars of Hebrew reveal to us clearly that it means the son of my right hand the son of power. Both stones point toward the first coming and second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Needless to say, these stones are considered significant markings of the glory of the throne and of the living God. John saw a rainbow over the throne, like a seal that had the appearance of an emerald The emerald is Judah's stone. The green tent of the stone has always been a symbol of freshness, new life, eternal preservation, and endurance. It also has been known as the wedding stone of ancient times. The rainbow was a complete circle symbolizing the full promise of God. It's not the half circle we're used to seeing on this earth. It's completed, and it reveals God's power and his love and his mercy of the living God. Much like in Noah's day when God placed a rainbow with colors representing the earth in the sky to make a covenant with him. God now gives John the view of a full rainbow with colors that represent heaven. The seal, it's closed. This rainbow was not mixed with multiple colors of creation, but one simple color of an emerald, the eternal color. All of humanity will either meet the Lord Jesus Christ under the banner of the emerald green or in the blazing light of judgment of the great white throne of judgment. God does not use his symbols names, cities, stones, or anything else in a poetic fashion. He uses these symbols to tie his truth together. All words used by the Father have meaning and purpose. There's no symbolism here outside of God using an object to communicate his beauty. Therefore, as you read on in this book, remember that each word carries significant meaning. And each meaning has action-packed, adventure, 
connected to its existence. Now let's look at verses 4 and 5. The 24 elders sitting on the individual thrones represents the church as a whole. You cannot but not embrace this. It is the great symbol of leadership being used by God to bring and unite his people in redemption. And it also is a reveal of the glorified saints after the rapture. The number 24 occurs six times. Each of those times it has pertained to these elders. The crowns worn by these elders are earned rewards of position that reveal dignity and purpose. The white garments are the purest symbols of righteousness made white as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. The royal priests that hold these positions are not revealed to us anywhere in Scripture. That's God's business. This is certainly one of the secrets of heaven that God holds dearly to his bosom. This we can safely assume. These 24 men are significant leaders through the ages that were given the privilege to hold positions of power and royalty around the throne of God that represent the priesthood of all believers. For God's holy throne there were flashes of lightning and sounds of pearls of thunder. Can you imagine this scene? God has always associated himself with flashes of lightning and thunder. Even in his creation, thunder and lightning comes forth from the mixture of hot and cold. Not, not lukewarm. God displays his power and majesty through the statement of the cold of evil and the hot of the throne of God coming together for its final day of judgment. Think about that the next time you see lightning and hear thunder. It is the earthly reveal of evil clashing with God. If you look close enough, you will find the book of Revelation in all of creation. Remember, nothing God does, makes, or displays is by accident. At the beginning of Revelation, John saw the one standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. But now he sees the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are now and forever the seven spirits of God. As we can plainly see, the candlesticks are now lamps, and the seven churches are identified as one bridal member. And what remains are the seven spirits that supervised the seven churches. Looking at verses 6 through 8, now let's draw a mental picture of this scene. It is located in the center of the universe, and it is the throne of God. Around this throne is a rainbow with the appearance of emerald, as we said, Surrounding the throne, there are 24 more thrones. Those thrones are filled with those 24 elders. 
sitting on the throne of God, clothed with righteousness, with twenty-four men of God crowned with honor, seven lampstands burning eternally at his feet, lightning flashing forth from the throne and thunder filling the air. How could any man bear up under seeing this? Then we have the sea of glass like crystal before the throne. The sea of glass is calm waters that is nothing like the seas of the earth, which are obviously constantly tossing, turning, agitating, and are restless, just like sin. It is a crystal sea of eternal peace. Take a look at 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 23 through 45 symbolizing the living water of Christ himself. Now we see four creatures with eyes in the front and in the back. The first creature is that of a lion. The lion symbolizes power and majesty of all beasts. This literally reveals to us of the two types of beasts, the lion of Judah and Satan himself. And this lion that is in heaven will conquer the powers of Satan, who also calls himself a beast. Just as in the story of Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel was that Old Testament figure of the lion of Judah. When the earthly lions attempted to devour him, God overpowered them with the lion of Judah. The second beast was like a calf, most likely translated out as an ox, which is the Hebrew word picture for strength or leader that carries the weight. The ox has always been the Hebrew symbol of Aleph, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Alephabet. The meaning is related to the word for tame, and the word for leading, which means the one who comes first. This is the Hebrew word picture for the father of a tribe. Also, it needs to be known that the Greek word alpha derives from this Hebrew word. Now we can make the spiritual connection that this calf or ox was the eternal symbol of the Alpha, beginning, the first of all things. The third beast had a face like a man. This creature reveals the highest of God's creation, man. The Greek here denotes that it is the vessel that demonstrates God's wisdom, reason, intelligence, life. You want to know the reason why God created Adam and Eve was not only to give his son a bridal member, but it is the vessel that God chooses to reveal his wisdom, his reasoning, and his intelligence. Which, putting those three together, is where we get the word power. The fourth and final beast was like a flying eagle. The Hebrew word picture for eagle is the living prince and warrior, Nashir. 
The eagle is God's symbol of the wisest of all beasts. It flies the highest. It's keen in sight and swift in action. The eagle has been a symbol of the prince since the foundation of mankind, most likely forever past and future eternity. These creatures and their characteristics combined express intimacy of the heart of God the Father and his relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, and his relationship with the bridal members of Jesus here on earth. The lion, Jesus Christ, the ox, the father, like that of man, all of humanity, and the eagle, the prince, represented by way of the Holy Spirit, each having eyes that see all sides, all around them. They have six wings, the number of man, all representing an alert and obedient heart unto the Father, to cry out today, to cry into the night, for the everlasting days of eternity, may we say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Verses 9 through 11 tell us this. We see a mighty act of worship displayed in these few verses. Four beasts among with the 24 elders worshiping God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who sits upon the eternal throne of heaven. They give praise, respect, and full adoration because he is the ultimate authority on the earth and in heaven. He is one who is worthy of all such high honors. I wonder how God, the authority figure of eternity, is looking upon the horrid acts of resistance on the earth today. 7,000 years is only seven days for God because 1,000 years for man is one day to the Lord. So he accomplishes absolutely everything John is seeing in seven of God's days. 7,000 years for man. In closing, it is our duty and passion to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. That should be obvious to any listener who is truly indwelt by Jesus Christ. He has given us a heart of praise for his domain sake. Nothing, absolutely nothing should stop us from entering John's great reveal. We hope that you stay with us in our future messages. Next week, we're going to be talking about the seven seals. Within that talk, we're going to be revealing the secrets within the remaining chapters that we have been referencing. We're going to talk about the premium property of Israel. And God closed the gate on the garden for a reason, and we're going to explain that to you. 
We're going to talk about the four creatures. We're going to talk about those seven eyes, the golden bowls, and what is in those bowls. We'll spend a little time talking about the new song that will be put in all of those angel and bridal members of Jesus Christ for the new earth. And we will adequately explain to you the believer's four positions. They're significant. And we're going to quickly walk you through the millennium chart. Thank you for joining us today. This was one particular section of the book of Revelation that touches my life deeply. I read the book of Revelation first through Hebrew and then through the Greek. Something that every believer can learn to do. Until next time.